Hi everybody, Carla here, and thanks so much for coming back for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Let's continue with Mr. Ernest J. Gaines, A Gathering of Old Men. We're at segment 14, and this one is called Albert Jackson, a.k.a. Rooster. After Miss Merle left with her two baskets, Lou went out in the road where Mapes was. They leaned back against Mapes' card, looking at us in the yard. Me, I was leaning back against the end of the gary where you went around the house to the toilet. Chimley had just come from the toilet, and before he got back to the front, I seen him bending over and getting a shell out of a shoebox under the house. He got two. He put one in the gun and the other one in his pocket. You see, that's what we had been doing all the time. Sure, we was going back to the toilet, but we was doing more than just going to the toilet. Clatu had already told us where he had put that box of shells, and every time one of us went to the toilet and didn't catch the white folks watching us, we ducked down by the side of the house and got a couple of shells out of that box, and nobody knew the difference. Not my wife, Beulah, not none of the other women, and surely not that crazy Jameson. We was more scared of him talking than we was anybody else. Not long after Chimley had come back to the front, we heard the noise on the car radio. Mapes opened the door and started talking on the speaker. We could hear the static, then the other voice, the static, then Mapes. It went on like that a couple of minutes. Static, other voice, static, then Mapes. Then he hung up the speaker, and him and Lou came back in the yard. Mapes was grinning. Oh, how he was grinning. Not grinning out, grinning in. You could tell he was grinning in, even if his mouth wasn't moving. All right, gather round here, he said. The people moved in slowly. It had been a long day. The sun was just about to go down. Mosquitoes was already coming out of the weeds. Everybody was tired, but nobody was thinking about going home. Not yet. Not till this was settled and over with. Look like you boys put on your brave hats just a little too late, Mapes said. Fix ain't showing up. He grinned. His big old jaws was all puffed out. He looked all around, grinning. But nobody was grinning back because nobody wanted to believe him. We had put too much... We had put in too much to have this day end like this. Johnny Paul spoke first. That's a lie, he said. Johnny Paul wasn't standing more than an arm reach from Mapes, but Mapes didn't want to hit him. He felt grinning at Johnny Paul was good enough. He could arrest Johnny Paul and beat him any time. Right now, grinning at Johnny Paul was good enough. I say that's a lie. Johnny Paul said to the rest of us, just trying to make us go home. Y'all know Fix. You know he got to show up. We all said we knowed Fix and Fix had to show up. Ha, Mapes said, grinning. That's just to throw us off, Johnny Paul said. Another white man trick. Look at the blood on that grass. That's Fix's boy's blood. You think Fix ain't, you think Fix ain't go show up his own blood on that grass? He got to show up. Matt said. You darn right he got to show up, Johnny Paul said. Look at that spot on that grass. We all looked at the spot where Bo had fell. The grass was mashed down. The blood's still there. He still ain't showing up, Mape said. So y'all might's well go on home. The sheriff lying, 
Johnny Paul said to the rest of us. He turned back to Mapes. Come on, Sheriff. I called you a lie right in front of a bunch of niggers. Ain't you gonna take me in? Mapes shook his head. He pointed his finger at Johnny Paul. You trying to be a hero today, Johnny Paul, and you want me to help you. Well, I ain't. The rest of us stood there looking at Mapes. We didn't know what to do. We didn't want to believe him, even if he was telling the truth. We had cranked ourselves up for a fight, and we wanted ourselves a fight. That just don't sound like Fix, Clatu said from the Gary. Nothing could keep Fix from Marshall today. That's where you're wrong, Mr. Clatu, Mapes said, going up closer to the Gary and looking up at Clatu. Now, that's what I thought, too. Because, you see, me, you, and all the rest of them were thinking about Fix 30 years ago. 30 years ago, Fix would have been here, would have hanged Matthew on the nearest tree, and all the rest of you brave people would have still been hiding under the bed. But something happened the last 10, 15 years. Salt and Pepper got together. Now, it's nobody's fault but yours, Mapes said, looking round at all of us. Nobody's fault but yours. Y'all did it. Y'all wasn't satisfied Salt played at LSU on, on one side of town and Pepper played for Southern on the other side of town. No, y'all wanted them to play together. Y'all prayed and prayed and prayed for them to play together. Well, they did, and that's what happened. Salt went back and talked to his daddy, Gil, that white boy who stopped by here. That's Salt. Y'all know him. You've seen him on the television enough went back and told his daddy he needed Pepper and Pepper needed him. Told his daddy he wouldn't go along with his daddy to lynch Matthew. Told his daddy even if the name Bhutan got in the papers, he would never be all American. But y'all the ones did it, Mape said. He was moving around the yard. He was looking us all in the face. Stop a second, look at one, then move and stop and look at another one a while. Y'all the one, you cut your own throats. You told God you wanted salt and pepper to get together, and God did it for you. At the same time, you wanted God to keep Fix the way Fix was 30 years ago, so one day you would get a chance to shoot him. Well, God couldn't do both. Not that he likes Fix, but he thought the other idea was better. Salt and pepper. Well, which do you want? Salt and pepper to play together, or you want God to fix to keep fixed the way he was 30 years ago so you would have a chance to shoot him? Well, make up your mind. I'm sure God's just sitting there waiting. We all thought Mapes had gone crazy, but it turned out he was just happy. I had never seen a happier white man in all my born days. Looked like he was ready to kiss the first person who come up. Well, ain't somebody gonna say something? He said, looking around. We didn't know what to say. We didn't know where to turn. It was quiet, quiet, quiet. You couldn't hear a sound, no matter how hard you listened. No moving, nothing. Quiet. Mapes turned to Matthew, sitting there on the end of the step. Ready, old sport? I'm ready, Matthew said. Candy had been standing next to Matthew all this time. Even when Mapes passed right burp passed right by her, talking, she never paid him any mind. I don't know if she was even hearing him. She didn't know it until he mentioned Matthew's name. Then she went out to the walk. Easy, like that. She just went out to the walk and stood there with her arms folded. What you think you doing? Mapes asked her. Don't you know when the show is over? Candy didn't answer him. 
Then my wife left the steps and joined Candy on the walk. I joined my wife. Then everybody started joining in. Glow and her three little grandchildren. Even Corrine managed to get down the steps and come out into the yard. Mapes was looking at us. He had Matthew by the arm with one hand. He had his gun in the other hand. I said the show was over with, he said. Don't make me hurt anybody. Nobody moved. Clear off that walk, Griffin, Mapes said. I'm not walking around anybody. Use that gun if you have to. Griffin had been standing over by the garden with the gun stuck in his belt. He took it out and started toward us. Matt, Cherry Bello, and one of the Lejeune brothers raised their guns, not high, belt level. Griffin stopped. Hold it, Clatu said from the Gary. Hold it. Sheriff, can we talk? Can me and the rest of the men talk to Matthew inside? Mapes was still looking at us. Griffin was looking at us too. He didn't know if them guns was loaded or not and he wasn't taking any chance. Mapes looked back at Clatu. Talk, he said. Talk about what? All I heard since I've been here was talk. Give us a couple minutes, Clatu said. You can spare us that. Mapes looked back at us on the walk. More of us had raised our guns belt level. All right, Mapes said to Clatu. You have a couple minutes. Make it quick. I'm tired now. Y'all, come on inside, Clatu said to us. Not you, Candy, he said to her. Nobody's talking without me, Candy said, coming back toward the Gary. This time, we have to, Candy. Clatu said, just the men with guns. Like hell, Candy said, this is my place. I know that, Candy, Clatu said, but we don't want you there this time. That stopped her. Nobody talked to Candy like that, black or white, and especially not black. What the hell did you say? She asked Clatu. You know where you're at? You know who you're talking to? Get the hell off my place. I'm not going anywhere, Candy, Clatu said. What? She said. Not till this is cleared up, Clatu said to her. I already told Sheriff I don't mind going to jail or even dying today, and that means I ain't taking no orders either. Candy was mad now. She was so mad she was trembling. She tried to make Clatu look down, but Clatu wouldn't look no farther down than her eyes. Now she turned to Mapes. Any other time, she wouldn't need to turn to Mapes. Mapes would have brought Clatu off at Gary even if he had to shoot him down. But this time, he just grinned at Candy. He liked what was happening, one of us talking back to her. Candy turned to Lou. Lou reached out his hand and called her name for her to come to him. She turned back on us. Y'all can go on and listen to Clatu if y'all want, she said. But remember this, Clatu got a little piece of land to go back to. Y'all don't have nothing but this. You listen to him now and you won't even have this. Mapes laughed out loud. Not in now, out, not in now, out. Well, 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 he said. Listen to the Savior now. Do what she wants or you're out in the cold. Did y'all hear that? Candy turned on him. You've been trying to split us up all day, she said. And you want to keep them slaves the rest of their lives, Mapes said back. Nobody is a slave here, Candy said. I'm protecting them like I've always protected them, like my people have always protected them. Ask them. At least your people let them talk. 
Maeve said. That's why they put that church up there. Now you're trying to take that away from them. Candy didn't know how to answer Mapes, so she turned on Matthew. Is that what you want? She asked him. You want to go in there alone without me? Matthew shook his head. Candy, I'm just tired, he said. If that's what they want, it's all right with me. I just want to get this over with. Candy didn't say another word. Like a car, she sprung up on the Gary, went right by Klaatu, and stood in the door with her hands on her hips. Now, who'll go by me? She said. Come down from there, Mapes said. They want to talk. They'll talk. You come on down from there. Candy wasn't listening, just standing there with her hands on her hips, daring anybody. Griffin, Mapes said to his deputy, get up there and pull her away from that door. Old Griffin still had his gun out. He made two steps toward the Gary and stopped. Well, Mapes said, he knows I'll bust his jaw, Candy said. Get up them steps, Griffin, Mapes said, going on him. Griffin didn't go up the steps, but he moved away from Mapes, and Mapes was too fat to catch him. The people laughed, and Mapes turned on us to make us shut up. Then he looked back at Candy. Come down from there, Candy, he said. If I come up them steps, you're going to jail. Just sure as hell. Candy didn't move. Come down, Candy, Lou told her. Don't make a spectacle of yourself in front of these people. She's been doing that all day. Mapes said. Tell her to not to make a bigger ass of herself. We all looked at Candy standing in the door with her hands on her hips. Beulah laughed out loud. Stand your ground, honey, she said. Just stand your ground. You better shut your goddamn mouth, Mapes told her. I'm tired now, you hear me? I'm tired. Let me talk to her, Sheriff, Matthew said, and went up the steps. Candy watched Matthew coming toward her. Her hands was on her hips at first. Then they slid to her side like she was ready to fight Matthew if he said anything wrong. But as he got closer to her, you could see her face changing. You could see her fists loosening. I want you to go home, he said, not loud, quiet, soft, the way he used to talk to her when she was a little girl. She shook her head. That's what I want, he said. She shook her head again. Years ago, when she was five or six, she used to come down here and play in his yard and follow him around the garden. Near sundown, he would tell her to go on home. No, she would say. Go on home. No, she would say. He would take her by the hand and put her on his shoulder or on his back and ride her up to the big house. The next day, near sundown, go on home now. No, she would say. Now they looked at each other. I could see her biting her lip. She wanted to cry, but she couldn't, not in front of us. I have to go, Matthew said. I have to pay. No, she said. Daddy and Grandpa said, you paid enough. You always paid for them. You won't pay for me too. He laid his old hand against her face and she held it there. Lou had followed Matthew up the steps, but he stayed back while they talked. When they got quiet, he moved in a little closer. Let's go, Candy, he said. She didn't even hear him. Matthew had brought his hand down from her face, but she still held his hand with both of hers. This is not Marshall without you, she told him. 
I'll always be here, Candy, he said. This is nothing but a few miles of dirt, she said. Weeds, trees, dirt. But this is not Marshall without you. I'll be here, he said. Candy, Lou said. You knew the first, Candy said to Matthew. She wasn't hearing Lou at all. You knew Grandpa Nate, the first Marshall. Remember from the war, the Civil War? I remember the Colonel. You knew them all, Candy said. Grew up with my Grandpa. Raise my daddy, raise me. I want to help you. I, I want to I want you to help me with my own child one day. I'll be here, he said. Not like that, she said. Not back there, uh, under those trees, spirit alone. I want you to hold his hand. Tell him about Grandpa. Tell him about the field. Tell him how the river looked before the cabins and wharves. No one else to tell him about these things but you. I'll tell him, he said. No, she said, you can't tell him from the grave. You'll die if they put you in that jail, and this place will die too. There's no reason for this place to be if you're not here. My daddy, he said, you, you, you. I'll be here, he said. Candy, Lou said. Go with him, Matthew said. It's time you went to him. I'll be all right. Lou moved in closer. Come on, Candy, he said. Candy still held, Math- still held Matthew's hand. My daddy, all of them said it was you. You, you, she said. Lou pulled on her, but she was still holding on to Matthew. They said it was Matthew, she said. They said Matthew. They said you were. They said it was you. Come on, Candy, Lou said, pulling on her. They said if you went, it went, because we could not, it could not, not without you, Matthew. Matthew covered her hands with his big old ashy gray-black hand and pulled her free. Lou picked her up under his arm and came with her down the steps. Candy was cussing him, hitting him, cussing mates, kicking, but Lou didn't pay her any mind. He took her out to the road, throwed her into her own car, and slammed the door. Then he stood there with his back against the door, looking at us in the yard. Y'all got 15 minutes, Mapes said to us. Then I'm taking him in. If y'all want to come along, you're welcome. But I'm warning you, you follow me to Bayonne, I'm throwing the book at you for interfering with the law. Now, you got exactly 15 minutes. We went inside. It was dark in there, and Klaatu pulled the string to turn on the light. You could see from the way the place was kept, Matthew stayed there by himself. The wallpaper, the wallpaper his wife Lottie had put there years ago, was all faded and torn. Dirt daubers' nests hung on the wall and on the picture frames. Cobwebs hung, hung from the ceiling. Matthew had an old chiffre robe in one corner and an old washstand with a china bowl and a pitcher in another corner, an old brass bed sagging in the middle against the wall by the window, and a rocking chair and a bench by the fire half. He had a coal oil lamp on the mantelpiece in case electricity went out. His old tin cup he used to take out in the field was on the mantelpiece, too. The old cup was so old that it had turned black. Matthew stood at one end of the fire half, Klaatu at the other end. Billy Washington caught the door. Roof caught the window. Now, it was hot and stuffy in there with the door and window both closed. Well, Klaatu said, what we gonna do? Y'all can see the man's patience done run out, 
Ain't we going to do what we was going to do from the start? Johnny Paul said. Johnny Paul was standing in the back of the room with some of the others. If Matthew go to jail, we going too. Ain't, ain't that what, what we said? Now listen, Plateau said. Ain't that's what we said, Johnny Paul said from the back of the room. I was kind of short, so I had pushed myself up closer to the fire half. I had Yank on one side of me, Tucker on the other side of me, and Dirty Red right behind me. Plateau looked over all of us at Johnny Paul in the back of the room. Give me one minute, Plateau said. One minute. Now, listen. Y'all know I love this man, he said, and nodded toward Matthew. Y'all know I do anything for this man. Y'all know I respect this man like I don't respect too many men. And y'all know why. He always stood up, stood up to fix, stood up to anybody who tried to do him wrong. Even to the marshals out there at the front, he stood his ground. That's why Jack Marshall don't like Matthew today. Matthew always stood up, stood up to Jack Marshall too. And that's why I come here today to stand with this man, to die with him side him if I have to. That's why we all come here out of respect for him, to fight side him, to fight gentlemen. But now fight who? There ain't nobody to fight gentlemen, nobody to fight. Klaatu looked at all of us now. We all had our guns, all of us ready. Gentlemen, he said, let's call it a day and go back home. All of a sudden, I got knocked almost in the fire half. It was Johnny Paul pushing his way up to the front. He had pushed against Dirty Red. Dirty Red fell against me, and I had almost fell over in the fire half. Now what the hell you think you saying, Klaatu? Johnny Paul asked him. Johnny Paul and Klaatu was about the same height. They could look each other eye to eye. What the hell we come here for if not to stand to the end? The rest of us went along with Johnny Paul. We all said we came to stay to the end. Klaatu picked up Matthew's old field cup and wrapped it on the mantelpiece. Give me one more minute, one more minute, and I'll shut up if you want me to shut up, he said. We all got quiet. Now, y'all heard the man, Klaatu said. He's going to take Matthew in. Then we go too, Johnny Paul said. Go for what, Johnny Paul? Klaatu asked him. Do what when we get there? Same thing we was going to do before, Johnny Paul said. Klaatu took in a deep breath and shook his head. Johnny Paul, that man won't even lock us up now. You know why? Because tomorrow this time, he know he can prove most of us wasn't nowhere around this place. He just went along with us out there because of Fix. He didn't want us in Bayonne with these shotguns because he didn't want Fix to come and find us there. But now Fix ain't showing up and he ain't worried about us no more. He never took us serious, not for once. Fix was, Fix was on his mind. Fix was on his mind, not us. Fix, Johnny Paul. I don't care what was on Mapes's mind or what's on y'all mind, but this is what's on my mind. If Matthew leave from here tonight, I'm leaving with him. We all had good reason to kill Bo. But we didn't do it, Klaatu said. Nobody can say I didn't do it, Johnny Paul said. I got the same make gun. But you know you didn't do it, Johnny Paul, Klaatu said. You know in your heart you didn't do it. He looked over the room. Can't the rest of y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Jacob, Matt, y'all understand what I'm trying to say, don't you? 
I see your point, Matt said from over by the door. But we come here to stand, Klaatu. I don't feel like going back home empty-handed. We'll never gather like this again. But we've already done it, Matt, Klaatu said. Don't you see? We've already done it. Nobody is leaving here empty-handed. We've already stood. Go to Bayonne now. For what? Do what in Bayonne when we get there? March around for for march around that courthouse and sing with loaded guns, guns made for fighting with, but we ain't got an enemy to fight. I already said what I'm gonna do, Johnny Paul said. If Matthew go to Bayonne, I go to Bayonne with him. He pushed his way to the back of the room. It was quiet for a while. I was thinking how I was picking up pecans behind the quarters when my wife sent and called for me. I was thinking how scared I was when she told me I had to go find a shotgun somewhere and how scared I was when I went up to Aunt Lena and asked her to borrow it. I was thinking I was thinking now about all the hurt I had suffered, the insults my wife had suffered right in front of my face. I was thinking what all the old people must have gone through even before me. I was thinking about all of that and this day and and this was the day we was going to get even. But now here Klaatu was and now here Klaatu was saying we ought to go back home. Go back home and do what? I hadn't even fired a shot. Just one in that pecan tree so I could have an empty shell. No, that wasn't enough. Not after what I had put up with all these years. I wanted me a fight even if I had to get killed. There ain't no more to prove, I heard Matthew saying. Y'all done already proved it. I had been looking down at the floor. Now I looked up at Matthew. He leaned against the mantelpiece. He was tired, his voice weak and shaky. He looked right at me, smiling. He never thought much of me. He used to call me Little Red Rooster all the time. People even said him and Beulah had fooled around some behind my back. I never asked him. I never asked her. I was too scared. But I wasn't scared now. He knowed I wasn't scared now. That's why he was smiling at me, and that made me feel good. I never thought I would have seen this day, he said. No, I never thought I would have seen this day. Rooster with a gun, Dirty Red with a gun, Chimley, Billy. No, I never thought I would have seen this day. I looked up at him, holding my gun tight to my side and feeling proud. Till a few minutes ago, I felt the same way that man out there feel about y'all. You never would mount to anything, but I was wrong. And he's still wrong, because he ain't ever gonna face that fact. But now I know, and I thank y'all, and I look up to you, every man in here, and this is the proudest day of my life. He stopped. His voice got hoarse. A couple times his lips moved, but nothing came out. We waited. My heart was beating fast and hard. I held my gun tight, looking up at him. No, he wasn't the proudest man in this house. I was. I ain't nothing but a mean, bitter old man, he said. No hero. Lord, no hero. A mean, bitter old man, hating them out there on that river, hating y'all here in the quarters, putting myself above all, proud to be African. You know why proud to be African? Because they won't let me be a citizen here in this country. Hate hate them because they won't let me be a citizen. Hated y'all because y'all never tried. Just a mean-hearted old man. And I, all I ever seen till this hour. 
He stopped and looked down at me again, looked at me a good while, nodding his head. I've been changed, he said. I've been changed, not by that white man's God. I don't believe in that white man's God. I've been changed by y'all. Rooster, clabber, dirty red, coot, you changed this hard-hearted old man. He stopped again, looking across the room at the people. Klaatu is right. I want y'all to go home. His voice was getting hoarse again, and he had to stop and clear his throat. His lips moved, but nothing came out till he cleared his throat again. Go home, Johnny Paul, he said. He looked at Johnny Paul a good two or three seconds. Then he looked at somebody else. He would call that person's name, look at him a while, then turn to somebody else. Go home, dirty red. Aunt Jude and Aunt Francois, happy tonight. Then to somebody else for two or three seconds. Go home, Roof. Go home, Yank. Jacob, Matt, Clabber. Y'all go home. You, Bing, and Ding. Go back to that bayou. After looking across the room at everybody, he turned back to Klaatu, standing at the standing at the other end of the fire half. Do what you can with all this old junk around here, he said. If the people want it, give it to them. If they don't, throw it away. I'm tired, like y'all all must be tired, and the law done waited long enough. We all looked at him, but nobody moved. Then Charlie spoke from the back in the kitchen. You don't have to go nowhere, Perrain. We all turned. Charlie had been standing back there in the dark. Then he came to the front. He was so big, so tall, he had to duck his head to come through that middle door. He was taller than any man in that room and bigger than any man in that room, and we all had to look up to him. He had on blue denims the shirt hanging out his pants. He had been running, and he had laid down on the ground. I could... I could smell the sweat, the field, the swamps, in his clothes. He sat down on the bed. One of y'all standing round ain't doing nothing. Go find the law, he said. And that'll do it for segment 14 of Mr. Ernest J. Gaines' A Gathering of Old Men. Thanks so much for listening.